0: All right. Great to have you here on this Friday. So let's do an update now to a segment we did a couple of months back. And this was regarding an RCMP raid of a protest at the BC Coastal Link Pipeline in November of 2021, where at the time two reporters were arrested and then released. And at that time, there were accusations from several media sources that accused the RCMP of aggressively raiding a ban where activists and members of the media were inside. And at the time, media reports accused police of misconduct and what they said were illegal arrests of the two journalists journalists who were with the protests at the time filming, and they accused the RCMP of not reading the injunction before entering the cabin, suggesting that the police broke the law, preventing the reporters from doing their job. And documentation from the public safety minister's office, which had been at the time obtained by Blacklock's reporter, dispute these claims, saying that police had made several attempts to uh, read the injunction to those inside and gave them an hour to leave. And that it was only when the police entered to make arrests that the two individuals who said they were journalists ID themselves. So why do we bring this up? Well, one of the reporters was with a publication known as the Narwhal, and they want a chance to have their say. So they are invited to have that say. Carol Lynette is the executive director and co-founder of the Narwhal. She joins us now. Great to have you, Carol.
1: Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: All right. So I wasn't there that day and I I don't think you were there. So this becomes then a matter of a freelance reporter saying versus what the police say what happened. That's because there is no actual footage uh, other than what was filmed during the arrests. And so I'll ask the question of you. Did your reporter clearly identify herself when police went, I guess, to that cabin and said they were reading out the injunction?
1: Yeah, it's it's such a good question to raise. And you're right. I wasn't there on the scene, but I can provide some, um, I think, really necessary context to understand, you know, what we did at the Narwhal to um, announce ourselves on the scene and, and take every possible step available to us to make sure it was known that a journalist would be reporting for our publication on the ground there. So, um, you know, here here's essentially what we did at the Narwhal in advance of these arrests happening. Um, so even before Amber was heading out to Wet threatened territory, and this was actually weeks before the police raid. So we were actually, you know, not, uh, totally unaware that this would transpire while we were out there. We were out there just on a regular sort of reporting um, project, um, and you know, we discussed the parameters of what Amber would cover. And I provided her with a letter of assignment, something that she could carry um, on her person with her, just in case she ran into any questions about her purpose out there by the RCMP. Um, and I also provided Amber with press passes that she could wear on her person place on her gear. This is pretty standard practice of you know clearly identifying yourself as a journalist, um, whether you're working in kind of a routine environment, but also if you're heading into a more volatile, volatile or confusing space like you know protest or an injunction zone. Um, but then we also took the step to contact the RCMP directly to let them know that Amber was on the ground reporting for the narwhal um, and this you know happened in advance per arrest. Amber has been out in Wet'suwet'en territory reporting for the narwhal in previous years and we've also followed this step, where we just reach out to the RCMP, let them know that Amber's there, that she's on assignment, who her editor, assigning editors are, should they want to contact us um, to ask any questions or check her credentials or, you know, the nature of her assignment. Um, And in this particular, you know, instance, um, this year, the RCMP received our notification and um, we, we said, you know, for safety concerns in particular that, you know, we want to let them know that photojournalist Amber Bracken was on scene, we, we, we gave them the actual occupation site that she was reporting from, it's known as Coyote Camp, that's where the arrest occurred, um, and that we wanted to relay this information to the RCMP media relations staff so they could convey it to officers on the ground, um, and we heard back from CD, the, the um, Senior media relations officer with the RCMP and she told us you know she, she received our email and she said quote Amber has been at the camps previously I think always identified herself as media as long as she's clear with members on the ground there shouldn't be any issues I'll pass the information along to officers out there so you know that's pretty important context I think for understanding the, the nature of us having a reporter out there in advance of these arrests there was so much clarity about um, who Amber was and and what she was out there for. We also took an additional step of just connecting with a lawyer who had recently won um, a media rights case for the Narwhal and a a couple other media organizations that had fought against, you know, the RCMP's restriction of journalists out at the Fairy Creek blockade last summer. Um, So we connected with that lawyer and just said, listen, here's what's happening. Amber's out in Wet'suwet'en territory. We hear that a police raid is imminent.
0: Mm -hmm. you know what's
1: your legal advice for her as a journalist and he said you know you guys already know all this but let's just go over professional standards and codes of conduct again so this includes you know not interfering in any way with police actions to stay back stay out of the way and to document Um, and also it's very important for journalists not to aid and abet protesters in any way Um, and then also to clearly and continuously identify yourself as a member of the press so he said you know, does Amber have a letter of assignment? Does she have press passes? Are there press passes on her person and her gear? Um, And these are all standard things. And we were able to answer yes. You know, we just followed every protocol we possibly could. And then we passed along all this information to Amber and told her to just document as as much as she possibly could. And when she had an opportunity to, you know, remind (laughs) the RCMP that she's there as a journalist to just do that. And, you know, we, um, felt like we had taken quite a lot of steps actually to protect her special rights as a as a journalist reporting in an injunction zone. And unfortunately, um, despite all of those efforts being taken, she was still arrested and detained for for several days.
0: And at the time of this, the Canadian Association of Journalists, which represents about a thousand freelance reporters, stated um, that the arrest was illegal. Um, They called it an absolute disgrace. The latest instance of Canadian police detaining journalists trying to do their jobs. And according to the public safety documents, they say the RCMP did what they were supposed to do. They went and read their injunctions. They gave people an hour. And the minister on this, as you know, Marco Mendocino, he stands by the police action and said they were, were fine. So what do you say to that?
1: I say to that. I mean, there's there's a few details there. One is that, you know, we've really had a hard time identifying what, in fact, the RCMP read prior to the arrests. Um, we have actually asked for the specific script because what the police read, and this is, you know, available in, in the video footage that has been publicly released, um, just took a matter of minutes. And so there's no way that the entirety of the injunction was read. And I, I personally have reached out to the RCMP multiple times in the last couple of weeks. To ask them, you know, are you able to give me the exact document or the exact script or what exactly was read out by the RCMP? Because it's clear it's not the entire legal document of the injunction. So there's still questions that I, I have there. Um, also, you know, the journalists who are inside that, um, that tiny house say, like, it's very clear, like, the full injunction was not read and there was, there was sort of a chaotic, um, interaction that took place between the the protesters and the RCMP before the arrests were made, and and that's all documented. Anyone can watch that go down in the video footage that was released. But I think a more important point to actually talk about here is that the injunction does not apply to journalists. Um, it has nothing to do with journalists. Journalists are absolutely have every right to be within an injunction zone reporting. So this is a part of the reason why the characterization, um, in our opinion, of those arrests. Is, is that they were illegal they, they're you know journalists are not named in that injunction the injunction yeah. was against people who were preventing construction of this pipeline and the, these journalists were nearly there to document these blockades to document the arrests in no way did they fall under the purview of the injunction so it's it's kind of a bit of a moot point that injunction it, it literally has has nothing to do with with the media who are there Uh, Let me let me
0: get this in because I'm going to run out of time at some point Um, because I've been in protests, I've covered protests and there can be a real fog. uh, The G20 comes to mind where the police will arrest anybody, whether I mean, whether you've got accreditation all over you, it's like they're going to do what they're going to do. So there can be the fog of protest where chaos ensues. Are there next steps for you for your publication, for this reporter? Like, where does this go from here? If Marco Mendocino's standing by what the officer's actions are and you're suggesting, along with you know, the Canadian Association of Journalists, that you know, a line was crossed. What's the next step?
1: Well, I think you know, we, we took a legal action against the RCMP last summer um, against their actions in, in Berry Creek when they were arresting journalists and sort of corralling them in these media checkpoints. And in that ruling, which we won, the judge reminded the RCMP of the media's special role in a free and democratic society, and that journalists must not be interfered with unnecessarily in their journalistic function um that felt like a great win and it translated to something not very meaningful when it came to actually assigning a journalist to head out into wet sweat territory and so from our perspective you know um the the rcmp may claim that what they did was legitimate but we know from looking at the canadian charter and also Mm -hmm. legal precedent that there's you know it's incredibly unacceptable for journalists to be arrested for doing their job. I think it's also incredibly important to remember the RCMP just dropped all the charges, and that's actually something that they could do willy-nilly whenever they want, is just arrest journalists and detain them for several days and then just let them go and drop the charges, and like, it's incredibly disruptive to the the democratic function that journalists are trying to serve if RCMP can merely corral and detain journalists and, and actually dictate what gets covered in the media. Um, with no consequences. And so, you know, the narwhal is very interested in pursuing um, potential legal action to demand accountability from the RCMP in response to this arrest. Just one
0: more question before I let you go. I'm gonna go a little longer on this. Um, Because the narwhal you're known for environmental work. That's what you guys do. Um, And there can be journalists in a newsroom, there can be columnists, there can be editorialists. I mean, there is a blurred line and I'm not sure everyday people, you know, see that. Is, there a, is this young journalist or this woman young woman, is she considered a journalist, a columnist? Because there can be a blurred line uh, between, you know, activism and journalism and where these lines blur. So was she covering it from a journalism perspective or more from a editorial columnist perspective?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's been a lot of, including on previous segments on your own show, a sort of suggestion that the narwhal is an advocacy organization. Um, we are a, an award-winning news organization. Um, for anyone who's interested, narwhal.ca, check us out. Our work speaks for itself. Um, and more importantly, the work of Amber Bracken, this photojournalist, mm-hmm. speaks for herself. She is an, an award-winning um, documentary photographer and photojournalist. She it, it reports for the Global Mail, the New York Times, um, the, the narwhal. She you know, conducts herself with a, the highest standard. She's reported from protest zones and conflict zones all over North America. This is the only time she has ever been arrested. Um, I think it does, you know, point back to her credibility and her legitimacy, the fact that all the charges were just dropped against her. Um, she in no way was participating in the protests or having any sort of advocacy role. She was there with her camera to document um, a really critical moment of, of an RCMP raid on Indigenous line defenders. And that was her only purpose for being there. Um, her work is um, incredible and people should check it out. She won an award for uh, uh, moral courage for her reporting within um, Wet'suwet'en territory in previous years. Her, her work is truly incredible. She just won a World Press Freedom Award. Um, you know, she's her she uh, holds herself up to the highest possible standards of being a photojournalist in any conflict zone. So yeah, it's a great question to ask and, and I appreciate that there is a distinction there and I can say that, you know, Amber is entirely without fault. She was a journalist on assignment, holding her camera in a, in a conflict zone, and that's about it.
0: Well, I'm not sure this story is completely told yet, but it sounds like there may be more to come, so we'll uh, keep an eye on it and see where it takes us next. I really appreciate your time on this, Carol. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Alex. Cheers. All
0: right. That is uh, Carol Lynette, who is the executive editor and co-founder of the Narwhal, and considering Coastal Link Gas uh, Pipeline is in the news a lot, um, there are going to be stories about this, so we'll continue to follow it.